0: Listening to First Church Charlotte. I am going to have a little bit of fun tonight, if you will allow me and give me some permission to have some fun here tonight. You guys know how I like to have fun. And so I am going to uh, do a different kind of a Bible study, and I am going to entitle it How I Study the Bible. How I study uh, the Bible. The most common thing I am asked as a minister, believe it or not, is is this question, how do I study the Bible? I'm not exactly sure why that is. Maybe all ministers are asked that question. Um, But for whatever reason, I am asked that question a lot by by various people. Some of you guys are already of a student. What are you leaving me for, my brother? Did I offend you? Oh, I'm teasing. You go ahead and go. All right. I've been treated bad before, brother. It's not the first time. And so so, uh, some of you are already naturally inclined to a studious... style or personality. In fact, some of you, like after service, you'll like, send me a thought you had, or uh, that's not uncommon. Uh, Some of you perhaps are just interested in how I approach scripture and how I work through difficult passages. So uh, tonight I want to talk a little bit about that. Excuse me. So, uh, I will start with asking for your attention and saying this. The Word of God is the ultimate standard upon which all of our lives, all of our works, and our eternity is based. Can I have agreement in the house? Um, We, all of us, must go to the Word of the Lord, and we must, all of us, humble ourselves before the Word of the Lord, and say not what I, not ask myself, what do I think it says?, Uh, not go to it and what did my my uncle think it said, not go to it and what did my grandmother think it said, but I have to go to it and I have to say, what does the scripture say and how do I understand and grow by the study of the scripture? So I want to reiterate, there is no other standard for us than the word of God. We must get the word of God right because when we are judged for the thing we have done in this life... the final uh, line, the judgment line that we are measured against is going to be from the word of God. Can I have an amen? And so I love, I love studying the word of the Lord. I don't have, I do not believe I have any special gift. I do not believe I have any special interpretation. I think uh, many times there's dangers in ascribing to yourself special insight or special interpretation. I simply am a student of the word of the Lord first. I am a preacher of the word of the Lord second. I want to say that again. I am a student of the word of the Lord first. I am a preacher of the word of the Lord second, because I have to get it right, and then I can share it with someone else. Do you see? Two things have happened to me recently that have that have prompted uh, this this little Bible study tonight. The first thing is when uh, Pastor Jolly was here. Him and I were talking about some scriptures. This is very common when you get uh, preachers together. Uh, we will uh, share uh, scriptures, share inspirations. Very common for that to happen. So nothing at all uh, difficult about that. That's very ordinary. But we were dealing with a passage of scripture that there is some contention over and it's, uh, it's appropriate for us to have some humility in our, our, our judgment upon it because ultimately the word of God judges us, not us, the word of God. So let me say that again just because I'm in the mood. The word of God judges us. We don't judge the word of God. And so uh, I, was, I was wanting to speak carefully uh, relative to the conversation with Pastor Jolly. And I, I caught myself saying several times, um, okay, I, I'll tell you what I think, but I want to speak as a Bible student and not as a preacher. And I caught myself saying that several times. And I realized, and he, of course he understood what I meant immediately. The difference is this. A preacher can bring the word of God with a certainty that is beyond the scripture itself. A preacher can pretend things are clearer than they actually are. I know preachers aren't supposed to admit this, so you all forgive me. This is just uh, my, my uh, full disclosure program here at First Church. Um, I can speak beyond the word of God. How many of you think you understand what I mean by that? I can speak beyond the word of God. Fi- if I remember correctly, this isn't in my notes, five times in the scripture... Well, four times in the scripture, we are warned against taking anything away from the scripture. And five times we are warned against adding anything to. Now, they're mostly set right beside each other, but there's one place where there is a warning against adding to and not a warning against taking away from. And so, preachers, um, teachers, uh, leaders, uh, Bible study teachers, we have to be humble with the word of God in our hands. And we cannot speak beyond the scripture, even though it may fit our politics. You see what I'm saying? We We can't speak beyond the scripture, even though it may fit our personality. Even though it may make us individually feel safe and warm. If we speak beyond the scripture, we are in danger of the exact same curse. They're never differentiated in the scripture as someone who takes away from the scripture. Now, no one would, uh, you sincere people that love the word of the Lord, you would never be happy with me reading a scripture and saying, oh, let's ignore that. No, you wouldn't. Now, we have scriptures we ignore, If you want to know two or three subjects on which we ignore, I'll, I'll give you a safe one. Four times we're told in the scripture to greet our brother with a holy kiss. And all us men are like, oh, that's cultural. That's culture. You know, when we want it to be cultural, it's cultural. You know what I mean? Um, and that's just one thing. We're warned over a dozen times about usury and debt. Have you ever heard of a ch- church with a kick anybody out because they went into debt? Most churches are in debt. <laughs> um, you know, so the point is we have to try to get, we weigh these scriptures. We, we, we have to try to get it get it right. And so as a Bible student, I am admitting that I am not the final authority on scripture. That's very important, and I want you to understand that, because if you don't understand that about my personality and my own desire to be saved, then I might drive you a little bit crazy, because you will want me to speak clearly on things that aren't clearly expressed, and it'll be frustrating to you. Bless God, why did not Brother Nathan just straighten so-and-so out? Well, I might would start with you first. <laughs> And so uh so let's let's move along. I want to show you as a way this is like a love letter. This is how I approach these things. If you trust my heart, it will help you if you ever find that you ag- disagree with me. But if you don't trust my heart, the first time I do something you don't like, you will have a harsh word to speak against me. So this is me trying to show you how I approach the scripture first, not as a preacher, not as somebody who has a certain sound in the sound of a trumpet and declare the, you know, not, not as that, but as a person who is trying to humble themselves against the text and say, I am going to be judged by this word. This is the only divine thing that I have in terms of communication. I can seek the presence of God, but it will never speak contrary to his word. I can be filled with his spirit, but uh, it's never going to contradict his word. And so uh, we look at the scripture and we seek to grow from it. And all of us have a three-step process when we look at scripture. The first thing is this, what does the passage say? Say it with me. What does the passage say? Nobody disagrees on this. Everybody agrees on what it says. The problem is step two. What does the passage mean? Now the pitchforks come out. And the brooms. That was funny. I don't care what y'all say. (laughs) Uh, now, Now it starts, the problems begin to set in. Nobody disagrees over what the Bible says. We all have a nice copy. Many of us have dozens of copies. What we disagree on is number two, what does the Bible mean? And the orphan of all of this is number three, Which is your action question, what am I going to do with what the Bible said and what the Bible meant? What am I going to do with it? Um, It is these three steps on any passage of Scripture. And not all passages of Scripture are easy. There are some very, very difficult passages of Scripture. Uh, why, Why must we... Take care. Why must we study to show ourselves approved? Why should we be prepared to give an answer? Because Scripture can be used and misused for things that have nothing to do with the kingdom of God here on earth, nothing to do with the promises to come and the eternal life as the Uh, the, The bride of Christ with him in eternity. Scripture can be misused. Almost every time you see the devil in the scripture, he is quoting scripture for his own purposes. You can... Every false doctrine that has cropped up uh, is somebody misusing, misquoting, or misunderstanding a scripture. They may be very sincere. And their flawed doctrine may come out of a very sincere uh, desire, but it is still flawed. People will use scripture to promote their own kingdom. They will use scripture to promote their own purpose. Just like the devil. Secondly, we all of us have comfort zones. And we will find the scriptures that reinforce the way we want things to happen. And uh, we will ignore scriptures that challenge us. And this has been proved in every generation that has ever uh, sought to follow the scripture. Third, people will choose passages that fit their worldview. They will choose passages that fit their politics. They will choose passages that fit their, their plan for other people. <laughs> and they will ignore the scripture right beside it that would address them. But they will select and choose, and not only them, but if we're not careful, all of us. Amen. I am capable of doing this you are capable of doing this and being sincere while we do it. That's why we come to the scripture not as know-it-alls. We come to the scripture not as people who are holders of truth. We come to the scripture as seekers of truth and moreover, our truth is Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And so... We look at some passages here in the scripture. Now, when you take a passage, there is a handful of things that you need to consider. Um, The first one is the simple observation of what the text says. Um, If you only read the scripture, but you do not meditate upon the scripture, let me repeat myself, if you only read the scripture, but you do not meditate upon the scripture, you will only ever be an observer of scripture. You if you want to hide his word in your heart you're going to have to meditate Upon that scripture, you're going to have to pray that scripture. I pray scripture into my spirit. Well, particularly when I'm preparing for a message. Some of you guys, have you ever eavesdrop me on me praying uh, during, dear, on a, say a pastor's prayer? You'll hear me saying things like this: "Lord, I know you challenged us uh, in the same way we have freely received. We are to freely give." Lord, I need, I need to know what that. Means for me. I need to know what that means for the church. I need to understand. Would you speak this scripture into my life? Would you? Would you breathe it into me? What is it possible we can be greedy with the blessings? Oh God, you're, you're challenging us not just to to receive but to give. Lord, is it is it possible for groups of people to become functionally selfish? Lord, I don't want to be that way. I want you see how I'm praying this scripture into my spirit. I am mulling it over. I am considering it. I am weighing it. I am applying it. I'm thinking of other scriptures. So you want to get beyond simple observation. That's a good start. But observation is not meditation. It's just a first glance review of what the scripture says. You need to th- consider the structure of the scripture. A lot of times paragraphs are show you a grouping of a thought. Um, the the punctuation that is in the scripture will not have been there in the beginning that was added by scholars as they wrestled with trying to convey meaning in the text. I think the vast majority of it is helpful. Um, the vast majority of it is, is insightful. Uh, as sincere scholars uh, who have forgotten more Hebrew and Greek than most of us will ever know. Um, ha- uh, what wrestled with it. We shouldn't just throw that study away as though it was meaningless. Um, the third thing is in passages there are emphasis. There are themes in the scripture that are emphasized over and over and over and over again. We are taught, shown, illustrated. Illustrated, commanded to pray hundreds of times. But if we're not careful, we can be Christians without a prayer standard. We have standards for other people, but we have no... And the most common thing we are committed to in the Scripture, challenged to, and the theme put before us over and over and over and over is to be people of prayer. Can I have a big amen on that one? So if there's emphasis on something, then we should consider that as an, an... Intentionality of God's anointed communication from heaven to earth. Also, if a theme comes up from multiple authors in multiple generations, it is thematic for us and helpful to us. Repetition, like charity in 1 Corinthians 13. Charity never fails. The word charity or love is used 13 times. Is there relationships between ideas? These are another thing that we can do, like cause and effect well done good and faithful servant you were faithful over a few things I now cause effect going to make you ruler over many things like if thens if my people which are called by my name, humble themselves, then I will hear. Uh, Questions, rhetorical questions and answer. Who is the king of glory? The author's going to tell you, the Lord God strong and mighty. Comparisons and contrasts. This is huge in the ministry of Jesus Christ and is very helpful. You have heard it said... But I say unto you, comparisons and so literary, literary form. The Bible is is literature. We have uh, uh, discourse, epistles. We have we have poetry, psalms. We have prose. We have history. All of these things are in the Scripture. And so, a good beginning is to start with a passage and ask yourself the four or the five W questions: Who, what. When, where, and why helps you get context. So I'm going to have some uh, fun here tonight. I'm going to have some of my team bring me uh, a desk up here, and I am going to, by way of illustration, take a passage of Scripture, and I am going to wrestle with it. Now, I disinvited all the people who are easily offended in my first my my when I checked in on Facebook uh, because um, if you wrestle with something, you obviously are uh, in the act of wrestling with it. So this is going to turn into my study here for a little bit of moment for a moment, and I'm going to sit right here and demonstrate for you. Slide that forward a little bit, yeah, right here. I'm going to demonstrate for you. Wrestling with a passage of scripture. Are you glad to be in church tonight? How many of you have ever wrestled with a passage of scripture? Mm, that's 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 just. I don't know what to think about that. Okay, so we're wrestling with a passage of scripture tonight. I'm I. I I will be completely honest with you. And um here we are studying in the scripture and I've got to get some things in the scripture here. Oh, hey baby. I was just studying in the scripture here for a little while. I can't get any study done at home and um you want me to change this to pink? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. I got to get back go back to your mama. She'll take care of you. I, yeah. So here we are. I trying to study. I, I've got to study a little while and um we got to see here. We're going to look at some passages. Uh, the phone's ringing. Oh, my God. I can't get it. Uh, uh, hello? Yeah, yes. Durant, you're downstairs. Why, why are you calling me from downstairs? Uh, okay, okay, we'll go eat later. All right. Bye. Bye. Right. I've got to study some scripture here. And um, man, I've got uh, this passage. Just uh, 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 Hello? Oh, hey, hey, my sister, how are you doing? I was just studying the scripture. (laughs) Sister Tina. (laughs) Yes, I know she cusses when she gets mad sometimes. (laughs) The Bible says we ought to prefer one another better than ourselves. She may be a better Christian than we are. You don't know. God may have brought her farther than me and you together. So... in fact, I know that to be the case. I know Brother Adam's a flirt. I, I, I know that. His daddy was a flirt when he was young too. So, it, uh, Brother Nathan won't let me sing either. We just got to love people. That's right. You said, what about my wife? Oh, no, you didn't. Oh, no, you didn't. Sister Tina ain't the only one who can curse. <laughs> okay, studying the scripture. <laughs> had a little fun there. Okay, so recently I had someone come up to me. And they told me that they, they knew of things going on in the church. And it bothered them. And they said they were haunted by the scripture. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. This a true story. And that haunted them. Because they knew people in the church weren't following all of the rules, and uh, those people were going to be lost, and um, they they just they just they it just really bothered them. Um, now, so rather than picking an easy scripture that I can work through and nobody be on edge and uncomfortable, I'm going to pick this one. Okay, so here we are. We are in the book of uh, Proverbs, excuse me, Hebrews, chapter number twelve, verse number fourteen, and uh, the writer says something. The writer says something uh, here that if you have any desire to make heaven your home, um, it 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 makes you it makes you sit up and take notice. And he says this: uh, I'm reading the King James, the New King James. Uh, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one shall see the Lord. Now, you're like me, immediately thinking, oh my goodness, I don't want to be lost. How many of you agree with that statement? You don't want to be lost. So we have problems in the church. We have imperfect people in the church. Not everybody in the church is doing everything they should be doing, including you. Because the standard never ends. To him who knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is a sin. There's no escaping a standard that doesn't include you or me. And so this is disturbing. This is disturbing me. Um, And so I begin looking at this. All right, pursue, follow. Peace with all men, and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Okay, so um, I know how I have heard this used. Uh, we I'll never forget the first time we uh, had Christmas trees set up over in Sunday school classrooms. I had someone uh, call me and uh, tell me that I was leading the church in false doctrine because we had Christmas trees over there. And they told me that... Um, in the last day, there was going to be a great following away, and um, I was moving the church away from holiness. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. I said, okay, okay, thank you for that. Uh, I was witnessing to a, a couple in uh, Freedom Park a, a few years back, and um, I, was, I was younger. This was actually uh, early in my, my, my ministry, and I made the mistake of speaking to the man's wife, and um, he rebuked me, pretty harshly scared me, And he was like, uh, she does not speak to other men because her submission to me is part of her holiness. And without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Okay, so you can see a problem here. However you define holiness means you get to keep people out of heaven. And we want to make it to heaven. And we admit we need to please God with our lives. Can I have a big amen? We admit we need to be better Christians tomorrow than we are today. And so um, people say things like, you know, I don't, I don't. I had someone recently uh, to, to say that that they they didn't like some of the people who were coming to church because those those particularly the women, you poor women, you guys get all the attention. Um, some of the women uh, were were dressed in a, a sensual way, and they didn't come to church to be tempted. And I thought, oh my lord, I, I hate when I go to the hospital, hospital and I meet sick people. <laughs> I just can't stand going to the hospital and meeting sick people. I hate that. And so, um, what, what does this mean? Um, what, what, so here we go. We, we start, what do we know? What do we know? We can start with observation. Do we understand terms? It's a difficult passage. A lot of people would look at you and say, some of you guys who think you're conservative, honey, you don't know what conservative is. I know people that just will put you in hell so fast, you did, you wouldn't see it coming. It would be like Master Flash, boom. Um, So uh, uh, to them, you're a compromiser. Do they get to define holiness? And this passage is scary. If you think about it, it's a little bit haunting. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. What does that mean? Okay, uh, you start. Here I go. Uh, Do I understand what holiness means? Okay, well, I know what it means in the Old Testament because it's real clear in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, it literally is... Uh, following a set of rules whereby God's people live differently than other people. They are set apart. That literally is Old Testament holiness. You don't touch a dead body, touch not the unclean thing. You have certain provisions between men and women when women are unclean. You have, uh, and if uh, you, you, Give away. You're not holy in that situation. Um, If you are intermarried, you're not holy. If you eat shrimp, you're not holy. It's very clear in the Old Testament. Is it the same in the New Testament? Well, now we're getting complicated because holiness is never defined in the New Testament like it is in the Old Testament. It's very easy in the Old Testament. We have a list. Start with a Leviticus one and one. We have a list. In the New Testament, holiness is a challenge. Because Jesus, in his most notable sermon that we have almost the whole thing, the Sermon on the Mount, he changes holiness from outward Old Testament ceremonial to inward motivational character ethics driven. That's a problem. And he says all the clarity of Old Testament holiness is now we have to figure out what is of morality. What is the law that does not change? And what is the ceremonial which has been done away with because a new and a better covenant has come? Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm rest. Holiness is easy in the Old Testament. There's lists. In the New Testament, there is no lists. Let's look for a list. What's the closest thing? Well, it would be associated, if there's a list in the New Testament and we wanted to know that it was kind of a list of of things that were of God, it might would be associated with the law. Is there such a list? Well, yeah, there is. Galatians 5 and 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control, and here's your big clue against such there is no law. What was the point of the law? I'm studying here. Well, the law was to teach you when you were unholy, the law was to teach you when you weren't right. The purpose of the law was to create a standard you could not reach, to show you you needed a savior. The point of the prophets was to show you, you couldn't keep the law. And the point of Jesus was to satisfy the law you could not keep. But when you get in the New Testament, we have this list, this care. Okay, if I lived, if we lived this way, love, joy, peace, long suffering, would we be after God's heart? Would we be of God? Yes, we would. We would be more like God than like the flesh. So in the Old Testament, we have clear lists of dietary, civil, marital, burial regulations that make holiness easy. In the New Testament, there are no lists. There's only an inward heart that is set before us as an ideal for us to strive toward. And so less less. Let's admit that in the Old Testament, it's easy. In the New Testament, it's more difficult. It's godliness. In the New Testament, it's the heart of God. In the New Testament, it's character. Okay, all right, so let's move on. We haven't finished this issue of holiness. Let's just see if there's anything else. Okay, without holiness, no man. You see how I've intentionally chosen a difficult passage. I haven't made it easy on myself and pick something that everybody, I've intentionally chosen a difficult passage and I'm wrestling through it in front of you all. Okay. Secondly, no man shall see the Lord. What do you mean? See the Lord. Does that mean salvation? Pin drop. Does no man see? when he says no man shall see the Lord, does that mean Salvation. Huh? Let's, let's let's look at the scripture. So we're going to do a search here. Um, is everyone going to see the Lord? Oh, Revelations one and seven. What does it say? Every eye shall behold him. Every eye shall see him. Even the ones who pierced him, even the people who crucified him, are going to see him. What's going to happen when they see him? Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue's going to confess. So, if out holiness, godliness, no man shall see the Lord, but everybody's going to see him. What are you talking about? I need to know. The scripture matters. It doesn't matter what my cousin thinks. What is, what is the scripture going to say? Is it saying, in that day... Only the holy are going to see him and no one else is going to see him. Well, wait a minute. That's, that can't be it because everybody's going to see him. What are we talking about? So also, if without, holy, without holiness no man shall see the Lord leads me to think that um, God does his part of salvation, but then I have to finish the work in myself. That leads me to think that I, I have to earn salvation, but that doesn't make any sense because, my goodness, we have, we have uh, Galatians 3, we have uh, Romans 4. You can't earn salvation. It's God's gift. Do um, you mean to tell me that God's grace isn't enough and then I have to like, somehow earn the rest of it? That doesn't make any sense. I, this is a difficult scripture. I, I've gotta, I, I'm, I'm wrestling with this. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Okay, holiness is godliness in the New Testament. It's clear. We don't have easy lists in the New Testament. It's godliness. It's pursuing God. And no man shall see the Lord, but we're all going to see him. I'm confused. So let me ask myself what the context is here. Okay, so he's writing to the Hebrew church. So when he says, Holiness. They're thinking Old Testament ceremonial. That's Hebrews. It's not the Gentile church, huh? But the context is he's talking about others. Look at this, huh? Pursue peace with all people, and holiness without which no one shall see the Lord. So he's talking about others. Okay, well let me let me go broader. The chapter before he said, by faith all these people overcame. You guys see me wrestling with scripture here? Hebrews 11, by faith, everybody overcame. It doesn't say they overcame through holiness. It says they overcame by faith. Okay, we're talking about others. Now, there's a bunch of flawed people in this list. Like Samson. There's a guy who knew how to run around town. (laughs) He's in this list. How did he overcome? Through holiness. Oh, heavens no. Through faith. Huh, so who else is flawed in this list? Um, uh, there's a bunch of flawed people in the list. And they all overcame by faith. And the writer says, seeing then that we're surrounded by such a great host of witnesses, we should, we should look to Jesus as the beginner and the ender of our faith. All these flawed people overcame through faith, even though they didn't have the promise. We should look unto Jesus as the one who can begin and end. And in the same manner, Jesus went through suffering for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, despised the shame. In the same manner, we should be comfortable enduring trouble and even chastening and if we're not able to deal with chastening, then I don't know if we're really a son. So, verse number 10. For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. But he for our prophet that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, wait just a minute. Now I'm really confused. Chapter 14, it says, without holiness, I won't see the Lord. No man shall see the Lord. And verse number 10, it says that we would be partakers of his holiness. Now, I, I understand that because the whole point of redemption is that when the judgment, when judgment sees the blood, it passes over. The whole point of redemption is that my righteousness isn't good enough. Right? The whole point of redemption is that I have to put on his wedding garment. The whole point is my best Efforts are as filthy rags. It, you mean, to, I'm, con, I'm, I'm confused, huh? Okay, so I've got to put on his righteousness, which makes sense to me. Because my best efforts are as filthy rags, that's Isaiah. Um, I can't be saved by works, and then I could boast. And as Paul said, if I could be saved by works, then Christ died in vain because I didn't need to be saved. I just needed the rule book and I could save myself. What are you talking about? Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. If he's talking about others and we know everyone's going to see the Lord, could it be that he's talking about us being the imager of God? Could it be follow peace with all men? That's the beginning. And here's the second modifying thought. And holiness without which no man shall see the Lord in me? I think about 10% of you just got it. Could it be that if I have no action of pleasing God, no one's gonna see God in the earth? Because on this side of grace, it's impossible to see God. No man hath seen God at any time. On the other side of judgment, everybody's going to see God. Revelations one and seven. Even those who crucified Him. Could it be that the only way people see the wor- see Jesus in this world is through us? Well, that makes me think of what good works could be. Good works can be worship. If you love me, keep my commandments, Jesus said. And good works can be witness. Let men see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And so rather than seeing this scripture out of context, maybe... Maybe the Lord is trying to show us that I am, and there's so much scripture on this, it's ridiculous, that we are his imager. We are the image of God here on earth. We reflect God here on earth. You cannot earn salvation through your good works, but if you don't have any good works, no one's going to see Jesus in you. Amen. So what did we just do? Well, in my opinion, as a Bible student, and as a preacher for that matter, we switched it from good works produce salvation to this. Salvation produces good works. And that's a huge difference. Because the first one is about us. It's a self-centered religion. The second one is about God. What he has, he's done so much for me. If you love me, Not if you want to be saved, but if you love me, keep my commandments. Worship. Let men see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. Witness. Okay? Salvation is not earned. It is God's gift. And if you have a repentant heart... Your sin will not separate you because it will have been washed away by the precious blood of Jesus and you will be presented as a purified one and when judgment looks at you, it sees Jesus' righteousness. But because he's done such a good work in us, the only way that we can have an influence in our world is this. Get along with people. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. On the other side of judgment, everyone's going to see him anyway, even those who crucified him. But on this side of judgment, the only way the world can see Jesus Christ is through the life you give to him. The godliness of your life. The godliness of your walk. Your works do not produce salvation. Your salvation produces works. So, like I said, the easily offended were not invited tonight. This is what I want you to show. I want you to see. If I settle... For the critic's interpretation of without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Nobody is going to be saved. Our best efforts do not produce salvation. However, that is not an excuse to live right, to walk right to speak gently, to get along with people, to have a heart of charity to the world. We, instead of doing it out of fear, are doing it out of love. And we are showing the world Jesus by the godliness in our life. And when you interpret that way, you literally have a wall of scripture that starts to make sense to you. Without holiness, no man's going to see God in you. Don't worry about after judgment. Everybody's going to see him after judgment. Do you see? It's now. The only way they're going to see God is in your godliness and in your consecration and in your prayer and in your love. That's how they're going to see him because no man hath seen God at any time Until the day comes and every eye is going to see him. How do we show Jesus to the world? Godliness, good works, commitment to God, dedication to God. So, all right, that's my uh, wrestling with scripture. How you take a difficult passage and you try to make sense of it. Now, if what you took from this tonight is, oh, brother Nathan says, we don't have to be godly if that's what you take from this I don't even know where to start what I want you to take is is this salvation is the cause of good works salvation is not the result of good works As a church, if we want to show Jesus to the world, we're going to do it through good works. We're going to do it through consecrated lives. We're going to do it through godly hearts. But at no point are our works going to be good enough to where we have earned salvation. Let's all stand. Lord Jesus, we pray for your help in our lives. Lord Jesus, I I don't exactly know why this has been in my heart to try to take a difficult passage and try to show uh, how I wrestle through it, Lord. Uh, But for whatever purpose, for whatever good can come out of it, Lord, I want to get the scripture right. And I want to be, I want to get it appropriate, and I want to honor you through it. Lord Jesus, as a church, let us not simply be a church of a label, but let our good works give glory to God. Lord Jesus, let our high commitment give glory to God. Let our disciplined lives give glory to God. We want to image you in this earth. We want people to see you in us. We literally become your hands and your feet here on earth. Earth. Literally, when we do it for them, the least of them, it is though we did it for you, because we bear your image upon us. We have been freely given so much, and now we we must freely give. We are the inheritors of your great work, and we want to open our hearts not not like the elder brother, but we want to open our hearts and 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 accept. Uh, every heart who will dedicate themselves to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.